five, five days of ministry, and, and we want you to be a part of it. Um, we're we're going to be doing uh, outreaches on the beaches and on the streets. We're going to be doing treasure hunts. Uh, we're going to have prophetic parties at night. We're having all county worship on Saturday night. Uh, we just want you to be a part of it. If you want to get your fire lit, these guys are coming, and their goal is really to pray for as many people as they possibly can for the five days they're here, and to minister as many people as they can. And you're just going to get lit if you come join us. So I want to encourage you be a part of one or all of the days, and uh, we're going to have a great time. For more information, talk to uh, Jesse, Pastor Jesse, or Pastor Ken, or myself, and we can give you some of the details on a flyer. All right, God bless you. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, welcome everybody. Um, wow. Uh, well, we are going to be spending time right now just allowing the Lord to speak over us. I was, I was really moved and I've been touched by, um, by the heart of the Father in the past, maybe the past like four or five days. He's been speaking to me about um, intimacy, about relationship, uh, about his love. And uh, today I wanted to just open something up. I know that we are a group of people that are searching after his heart. And um, who's encountering his love right now? Just put your hand up. God's speaking to you. He's speaking to you. I even this morning I was driving here, and it's very practical. Relationship with Jesus is very practical. I was driving here this morning, and um, I like to listen to worship a lot. And, um, I live kind of outside of Corlinas, so my drive is about 25 minutes or 20 minutes to get here. I was driving, and I just I just felt the, the Lord say, speak over my heart, and he said to me, make Jesse... Give me a seat of honor today. Make me the special guest today in the house. And I just really felt that for us today. I felt like the Lord is saying um, that he is here with us today. He is here. And it's really exciting because um, if he's not here, then we don't have a party. You know, if, if he's not here, then we're, not, we're kind of wasting our time. And we didn't come here to waste our time. We came here to encounter his love. So today we're going to look at, um, at something that I think is very important. And, and we're just going to stay in a posture of worship and keep our hearts just open to receive from him. I really believe he's bringing deliverance today. I believe God's going to bring us into something today. It's going to be very powerful. So just be listening for his voice and his spirit as he speaks over you. And um, yeah. Very excited about this. What I want to do is look at Luke chapter 10, verse 38 with, with us right now. Um, and I want to read this, and I want you just to, just to pay attention to what's, what's going on here in this text. Because we're in a series, we've been in a series called Action at the Point, and, and, and asking, really, we spent the past three years encountering his love, encountering the word. Um, and a moment comes in the life of every believer where... Um, we start becoming the thing that God's revealing to us. There's an order to things in the kingdom where we have to first understand something before we can do the thing. That's why we go to college, right? That's why we go to vocational school. It's like, don't put me on a job site and expect me to frame a house if I don't know how to do it. So he's teaching us, he's, and he's giving us a mindset, a grid, 
of kingdom. And then we can then begin to do the stuff, but it, uh, uh, doing always comes after becoming. So Luke chapter 10, verse 38, just I got the slide up here. If you take notes, take notes today. Um, check this out. This is um, a very powerful story. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they're going somewhere, they're headed somewhere. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary. And she sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. Who in here has been distracted before? Anybody in here? She's distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Anybody in here? Tell her to help me. I'm, why am I, I'm doing all the work. I'm making all the preparations. I'm doing this thing. And like she's off just being spiritual or whatever she's doing. I mean, I'm the one getting this ready. What's going on? Jesus says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Who in here is worried about many things <laughs> right now? You're like, but few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. Say only one. Only one. Only one thing is needed right now. Only one thing. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Wow. And so there's this moment where Jesus is bringing correction out of love and honor into this position of the one thing. And if I had like a sermon title today, um, I don't know, I, I, I would say that like, I want to be a one thing person, like, I want to be a one thing person. I want to be a person that's after one thing and make this the right thing. See, the problem with taking action in the kingdom, uh, not a problem, the, I think part of what can throw us off is we start taking action and we become sort of ADD. We say yes to all these things that are good things, but we don't have the one thing aligned yet. See, God's called us to the one thing, and then from that one thing, we can then begin to step into many different things. As long as there's priority in this one thing, Jesus Christ being priority. So you have this story, and, and, and there's a lot on this. And, I, and I, think, I think, for me personally, my own journey has been this journey of dying to myself at a, at a certain level. My, my father was a pastor, my grandfather was a pastor, my great-grandfather, my great-great. I'm a fifth-generation pastor but you wouldn't have known it when I was in high school because when I was in high school, I was the biggest rebel. No one knew I was a, from, a, from a Christian lineage. I mean, I was just doing my own thing. We were throwing parties. We were doing stuff. And I, there was this, this thing in the back of my mind growing up that would haunt me. And this, haunt, this thing that would haunt me was this, 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 I felt like God was trying to like get me to become something that I wouldn't want to become. Like he was trying to get me to become something that would like mess up my plan. It would like become a, a you know, I'd have to be this Christian and he'd make me be a pastor and I'd have to stop having fun. And, you know, this is like this lie that was in my mind. And, and, and so when I came, when I finally had this encounter with Jesus, when I was 19 years old for myself, it wasn't my dad or, or my, my, my family telling me this stuff, although they've been praying for me for over a decade because they were worried for me. When I finally came into this encounter with Jesus, 
the Lord got my attention. And I, I remember it didn't take long. It took about two weeks after a radical encounter with his love where I said, I'm called to be a pastor. And it, and it has nothing to do with my family or what people have said about me. It's real. God has done, he's spoken to me and I know that he is the one. And I remember making that decision when I was 19. And from there, my journey began of like traveling and, and, and you know, sharing my testimony and just stay, saying yes to Jesus. But there's this, this thing in this story where resonating with my heart where I could do all these things. And I've done all these things and I've missed the one thing. Just like Martha was missing the one thing. And so if you look at. At, at this story, I mean, you know the gospel, right? Jesus, um, he's, he's basically close to this guy named Lazarus. He's close to Mary and Martha. They're, they're a family. They're, they're, they're brothers and sisters. Is based on, on what most theologians believe. They could have been orphans adopted into a family. We're not sure. But uh, Jesus is, um, there's a part of the story in John chapter 12. And when John chapter 11, Lazarus is in the tomb and Jesus raises him from the grave. You guys have heard that story. Then the next chapter in John chapter 12, um, you have this picture of Jesus is preparing. He has one week left to live and he's preparing to lay his life down on the cross in John chapter 12. And on his journey, think about this for a second. If you had one week left to live, what would you do? If you had one week left to live, what would you do? Jesus has one week left to live and he decides to go to his friend's house, Lazarus, uh, Martha and Mary. He goes to their house in John chapter 12 and he hangs out with them. And I love this because um, it, it shows me something about the character of Jesus. Like he is all about friends. He's all about his crew. Like he's his people, right? We have our people. And, and, and there's something that Jesus is, is revealing in this text to me that he's saying, I'm really after friendship. I'm really after friends, Jesse. I'm after friends. And he, he wants us to catch this. He's not trying to hover and control me. He's, he's taught me this over the years. Jesse, I'm not trying to control you. This is an opportunity for you to come into it. I'm with you. I love you. Let's be friends. And that's, that's what this is very practical, our faith. In John chapter 12, if you want to go to the slide, Brandon, it says this. Six days before the Passover, we know that Jesus dies you know, right around this time. Jesus came to, to Bethany where Lazarus lived. Now, he's just raised Lazarus from the grave. And Lazarus is back home breathing. He's healthy. He's back, back at Bethany where he's from. Um, uh, uh, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. And they're like probably, I mean, a lot of things are probably stoked that, I mean, Jesus like raised their brother from the dead. I mean, there's all this stuff going on in this moment. And Martha served and while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him, uh, verse three, then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus's feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So she pours this perfume out at the feet of Jesus. Now, I know we've heard this story, but I was thinking about this story and I was getting, I was getting rocked by this story this week because if you think about uh, this picture, Jesus is in the home of Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. They're, pro they're probably siblings. And the fact that it's at their home, uh, typically in this you know, ancient culture, what happens is when the parents pass away, they give the home to the eldest son. 
So Lazarus is probably the eldest son, and we know that he had, was, had died probably like maybe a few weeks before this, and now he's back from the grave. We know that, uh, that Mary, she has this, this um, inheritance. She has this perfume that's worth about a year's wage. So Lazarus, it was probably his home that they had inherited, and Mary has this, uh, this bottle of perfume that's worth, uh, you know, a year's salary. So if it was here in town, it'd be worth about $80,000. This, this perfume was worth about $80,000. And she, and she sees the Lord Jesus, right? She's encountered him. She knows that he's Lord. She's seen him raise her brother from the grave. She knows that he is king. And she, she can't help herself but to break this glass jar open and spill uh, her inheritance out at the feet of the one that she knows is king. And I was thinking about this because it's very significant because it's, it was three things. It was her past, her present, and her future. Her past being, this was an inheritance that she had gotten. So she's pouring out her past at the feet of Jesus, like her past, I mean, because this you know, perfume, I'm sure, reminds her of her family and probably her mother and probably you know, all, a lot of different things. It's reminding her of, her of what she's received from her family. It's her present in that it's, it's, it's this, this moment uh, that she gets to participate in a moment of worship and pouring her heart out and abandon, right, this, this, this undignified moment of worship where she gets to pour this out. But it's also her future because it's probably her dowry, this thing that she'll use um, down the road whenever she's about to get married. She pours everything out at the feet of Jesus, And I just want to say this, that Jesus honors worship. When we pour our hearts out, when there's an altar call, there's a moment to receive from Jesus, and you receive it, there's something significant on that moment. It's not just a moment that we fly by and we just are like, yeah, this thing happened, and I'm just going to kind of just keep on going. God's like saying, no, something significant happened when you responded. Come on. And so we respond in worship. We respond uh, by giving, by pouring our hearts out uh, to Jesus. And this was an act of being a one thing person. Mary says, I'm laying it all down. Jesus is the one thing. He's the one thing that I'm after. And it so says, it says, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. This is like worship. Your worship doesn't just impact you. It impacts everyone around you. So whenever you pour, you begin to worship Jesus. Uh, you begin to pour your heart out. Maybe you lift your hands up. Maybe God begins to speak to you. I, I don't know. I know today I was just right here just being really just moved by the Lord's love. And I just was feeling God's presence and just encountering him and um, as I began to worship, I felt an increase in the house. I felt like God was like saying, because there's a bunch of people worshiping in here right now, uh, it's impacting others who didn't know what to expect when they walked in the room. But now that there's some people burning and worshiping, it's starting, there's a perfume, there's a, a, this aroma, this fragrance rising up. And God is like saying, it's impacting the person that came in here who was wounded or hurting or depressed or suicidal or uh, you know had depression or, or is coming out of like, this hardship or this financial issue, uh, your worship is impacting that person sitting behind you that you haven't even met yet. 
Why? Because our worship impacts, it's an aroma, and it impacts people in the room, and it says this, and the house, say, and the house was filled with his fragrance. In verse 4, it says, but one of the disciples, ah, when we begin to worship Jesus, it sometimes offends people. I promise you, I mean, man, when I said yes to Jesus and I said, man, I am all in, I thought that people would be like, yeah, Jesse's all in, finally. Yes. And there were like two people that said that, and there were about 15 people that said, dude, you're offending me with your worship, Jesse. Judas Iscariot, but one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. And he said, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wage. She's a chump. What is she thinking? Why is she doing this? Her worship is falling on deaf ears. It's offensive to me to watch her waste this gift, this dowry, her past, present, and future. What a waste. I mean, have you ever encountered that before? You've been in a moment before in your life where you're like, you're encountering the one thing and you're like, my eyes are fixed on Jesus and you're like, everything is about this one thing and then people around you start getting offended by it because the one thing, they, it's convicting them, maybe it's, they can't resonate with where you're at or whatever. All I'm here to say is that when you begin to worship Jesus, it will come with opposition, I promise you. And so, so the, the text goes on here, and, and it says in verse, uh, uh, actually it was funny because I, I shifted to Mark chapter 14, uh, same story, different gospel, uh, Mark chapter 14, uh, because I felt like this story was so significant that they put it in not just one, but this, this second gospel that kind of pulls out some stuff that I wanted to, to, to look at with you uh, in Mark 14. Uh, so this... this uh, this moment happens where she pours out the perfume and, and Jesus is about to go to the grave in a, in a week or so. In Mark 14, verse 4, it says, Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wage and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. I'm just driving this point home, man. I don't know where you're at this morning, but your worship to Jesus is the one thing that you were created for. And so we have to get, I don't know if it's called a thick skin. I don't know what we call it, but we've got to begin to see that the worship that we give to Jesus is the most important thing. And even if it's offending someone, someone else's reality, we cannot let someone else's reality, someone else's uh, a, a lifestyle pull us out of re relationship with the one thing. And I love this. Watch this. Come on. This is powerful what happens here. In verse 6 it says, Jesus says, leave her alone. I love this. Jesus says, leave her alone. How many of us know when we're worshiping Jesus, the one thing, he will defend you. He's going to defend you. He's got your back. He's got you covered. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have, and you can help them anytime you want. You will not always have me. You'll not always have me. I'm not always going to be here. You'll not always have me. This next verse, it, 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 it like does something to me. I, this is one of the most important verses in the Bible. Please pay attention to this. 
I think this, this next verse has the power to set someone so free. What Jesus says, says next. It's going to set someone free, I promise. She did what she could. She did what she could. A lot of times we measure ourselves up to other people. You know, I, I don't know about you, but you know, I'm sometimes like, man, God, like, I'm giving you all I have. This is, this is it. And I, and I can measure myself up against Billy Graham. <laughs> where are the crusades at, Lord? I mean, come on, man. I said yes to you. Like, where, where is this? You know, what's going on? And, 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 and Jesus doesn't measure her next to Peter or anyone else. He measures her according to the gift and the grace that he had poured out in her life. It wasn't about anyone else. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And, you know, I scoured the word. I've been thinking about this. It doesn't say that anywhere else in the scripture. It doesn't say what he says right here, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Like, that's the one, this is the one place we see that. Right here. Why? She did what she could. She gave what she had. She gave her past, her present, and her future. She laid everything out uh, at the feet of Jesus, and everything uh, that she laid out is exactly what Jesus was looking for in her life. And it touched him. It moved him. And he remembers this story so that we remember who we're called to be as friends. As people that really are, are looking for truth or after something. You're, you're, you're here today looking for something. And man, you're, you're in the right place today. I believe that God's going to touch you. He's going he's to deliver you. He's going to speak to you. I mean, how many of us have gifts in here? We've been measuring our gifts against someone else. Or we've been holding back our gift because we don't know if, maybe we don't know if he's actually worthy to receive our gift yet. Like, I, like, I don't know if I want to give my gift to Jesus yet. Like, my gift has always been community building. Always. I've always been a community builder my whole life. The one gift, since I was a kid, a young kid, I would throw parties. We would, we would, we would always invite friends to our house growing up. Man, we used to just... We would always invite people. We always created inclusionary space for people. That's always been my gift. And I remember struggling uh, when I was becoming a pastor because I'm like, dude, I don't know if I want to be known as a, like a Christian. I remember I, I had a conversation. I don't know if I want to give my gift of building the community to Jesus. What, what will that do to me? If I give him my gift, what, what will that do to, to Jesse? Will I, will, I, will I lose myself? And then people won't want to be around me anymore because I'm this Christian guy that... I'm just being real. Like, when you start asking the question, like, what's my gift? And you start saying, I'm going to give my gift to the one. I'm going to give my gift to Jesus. There's a price that, that's paid, but also it's like God blesses it and ignites it. And your gift becomes a blessing. Instead of it being a thing that I can twist and use for my own agenda, when the gift goes to Jesus... He then uses it to build the kingdom. Whatever your gift is, we have, we have hundreds of gifts in this room right now. I mean, think about that. But the question is, do we trust that God can steward our gift well or not? 
This moment right here, I just felt like there, there, there are seasons where we, we step into this, this discouragement. Or we step into seasons where we just, we don't know how it's being used. Like, I'm like, God, like, I don't know how my gift is really, we lose sight. We lose perspective, right? Because we're in it. And in, in, in discouragement that I walk in, you know, in normal stuff, normal circumstances, I could hear the Lord speaking over me. And today he spoke it over me today. He said, he said this to me, and I, I lost it. He said, Jesse, it's my man. You're in a line of Mary Bethany. Jesse, you're in, you're in a line of Mary Bethany. And he says, I will not forget. I will not forget what you've done. Because you have done all that you could do. You gave your gift, you put it at the altar, and you left it there. And I did, I was driving here this morning, and I said, God, you have everything. There's nothing left to put at the altar. I've given you everything that I have. And I, I don't know where you're at today with that. But that's the safest place for your gift to land. It's the safest place for your gift to land. Is given to Jesus. Laid at the feet of Jesus. So right now, I, I really feel like we're call, God's calling us to a season of action. He's calling us to embrace this radical nature of God's love through our gifts, through our service, through our, our heart. He's saying, get it right, get it right, get it right. Make me your friend. I'm not going to lord over you and, and eat you up. I'm here to walk with you as a friend, as a brother. It's very practical. It's not religious. So I'd love for the band to just begin to play. I'm going to call the worship team up or the, the, the prayer team up. And maybe you're here right now and you're like, dude, I don't even know Jesus. Like, I don't even know who he is. Like, I just want to give an opportunity for you to know him right now, to receive him right now. I mean, maybe you're just at a place where you're like, I have known him, but I don't know him. Like, you, you're talking about, I don't have this intimate, passionate relationship like you, Jesse. It's for you. It's for you, too. I promise. It's for you right now. You want to see that person, you just, just, just speak to him and say, I want to know you like Jesse's talking about when he knows you. This is why I was created. This is why Mary was created. Mary had a revelation that everything that she was created to do landed in a moment where the perfume was poured out on his feet and her hands. Everything about humanity was defined in a moment that she said, I will never forget because she gave all she could and it was an invitation for you to come into all that you were created to come. Everything that God has breathed and spoken over you is a moment right now in the history of your life that people will look at and about you and say, that was the moment, that was the moment that she said yes. Does it? 
live. Because of my love for you, I love you, I'm for you. I am not disregarding you, I'm here. It's your Jesus. Oh. Uh-huh. 